Well, good morning and welcome to East Lake. My name is Margo. I'm the Wear Love Pastor, and those that maybe have done this before are saying, You don't look like Brent. Uh, well, we've been in a series about technology, about taking a break and, you know, setting boundaries. And Brent told us earlier this week, uh, Peace out. I am leaving and disappearing. So uh, he was just taking his own advice, and we support that. And, you know, now you can't give him as hard of a time when you see him on his phone in Starbucks or something because, you know, he took a week. He disconnected. Uh, but my job is the wear love pastor. And basically, that means that, you know, occasionally I'm up here, but usually I'm with you guys or grabbing coffee or talking with local organizations in the community, uh, just seeing ways that we can help, uh, where we can put our people where it's needed. Instead of, you know, doing all of our hard work on Sunday, we believe that church should be about making the world a better place. So it's a pretty great job. I enjoy it. Uh, Life has been crazy for me personally. I just got married and that is like weird and new because um, if you guys have been following along with my life, I don't know if that's something you do, Uh, but I moved here from New Hampshire, uh, gosh, nine months ago. And so yeah, life has come at me quick. And I, if you're wondering why it's lovely fall weather today, that is because I was praying for some lovely sweater weather, so you are welcome. It's starting to feel a little bit more like home in New England, and I am not complaining. Uh, But we had a great weekend here. Did anyone go to the Sausage Fest? No one went to the... I see, okay, so woo! If you're not here, I think it's because you're home because you went to the Sausage Fest. I was trying to push for Tums with the coffee, but... Uh, If you're here, if you survived Sausage Fest, uh, your heart may not forgive you, but Jesus always does. So we are happy (laughs) that you are here, that you are with us today. Uh, New Hampshire, we don't have Sausage Fest. We just have the local county fairs. The big one was the Hopkinton Town Fair. And uh, I was telling uh, a barista at the local the other day that we're trying to, I was trying to understand Sausage Fest. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's like the state fair. And they're magical places because... Where else can you go and in one day get a turkey leg and a boyfriend just for that one day? I mean, in middle school, it was the epitome of a good day. So, yes, Sausage Fest, Tri-Cities, it's great. But we've been uh, working through this series on technology and What does that mean for our life? How does it affect us? Does it affect us? Uh, And this is actually the conclusion. So if this is your first week and you're like, great, I'm at the end. It's okay. We'll try to catch you up to speed. But if you want to either refresh or go back, you can find any of our previous talks at eastlaketricities.com slash talks. You can either watch them or listen to them. They're on podcasts. We are down with the 411. We try to be cool. It's all in there. Uh, But we wanted to wrap up the series today And before I got to wrap it up, before I got the ball rolling, I wanted to make sure that I addressed some of my favorite people in the crowd, which is the single people. Any single ladies, single men out there? Woo! You guys are like, I don't want people to know. This is your chance. If you hear someone next to you wooing, then you can, like, coffee later. So, single people. I I know that the book that we based this off of was called The Tech Wise Family, and Brent's really good about talking into life with kids and a wife and technology and balancing it, but I didn't want to skip a whole section of people that are brave and come to Eastlake and try this out. So, I was thinking as I was reading through, like, does technology, balancing it, having a healthy relationship with it, does it matter for single people? And I think the answer is a resounding yes. And I think there's really some big challenges, uh, especially for people that are unattached, 
with balancing technology, and I think some of those challenges are that there is less of a pressure to socialize or pour into other people. Because, uh, you know, you go to work and you come home and you're like, unless you're living with your mom, which God bless you, uh, but there's no one pushing you to say like, hey, you need to go out and hang out with people, right? Like my parents would make me go to the school dance and I would smuggle a library book in and like read in a bathroom and cry a little bit. But, you know, there's no one, there's no one pressing you to go out and socialize. So it's really hard for single people to be like, oh man, maybe I should have like people that I actually speak to in person. Another, another thing that single people may struggle with with technology is you have this thought process of like, well, no one's harmed. If I'm watching Netflix all the time, if I'm just doing social media like 24-7, no one's harmed by that. Like there's no kid that's suffering from me not pouring in and paying him attention. No, there's no. But that's kind of faulty because, you know, it's obviously not great for us. I mean, there's no such thing as the Netflix physique. Like that's not that's not a thing. I wish it was a thing. I would be like an Olympian. But um but but we, like as we talk about the series, we see that there is a, a like a domino effect from just spending all of our time in this this virtual space. And then the third the third thing that can kind of hurt singles is like you have this. No, there's no accountability, right? It's almost glorified. Like, what'd you do this weekend? I got 12 seasons of this show, and people are like slow clapping you. It feels like there's no accountability of like, do I need to cut back? Do I need to set limits? So I, I would argue that sometimes it's even harder if you aren't in that, that relationship where you're living with someone or you have a child. I would say sometimes it's even harder to, to have a healthy relationship with technology for those reasons. Uh, and it's important to reevaluate re our relationship because as a single person, as an individual, even if you're in a relationship or in a family, you model health for the people around you. So the tech habits that you have are modeling what it should be for other people. Whether we like to or not, we're an example. And some people are like, oh, goodness, like that is not good. But it's true, right? We don't live in a bubble. There's people that are watching what we do. You know, if, if, you're, if you're out to eat with your friends and you go on your phone, it's a ricochet effect. You'll see everyone else will take out their phone. And we don't realize it, but we're actually modeling healthy tech habits for people around us. Uh, and then also everyone's like, well, it's just the trend. It's just the trend that everyone's on their phones. You go to a party and everyone's just sitting on couches with like the solo cup and the phone. It's just the trend. Well, here's the spoiler alert. Trends are set by people. So if people don't change, the trends don't change. And then another thing that we have to, to focus on or realize is if we as individuals don't start practicing healthy tech habits and limits now, then it's not going to magically change when you have a child in your life or a significant other. It, it's not any people that have been married for a long time. When you put the ring on the finger, did you magically become a perfect person? Husbands are saying, yes, yes, of course. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way, right? You have to start practicing healthy habits so that the person doesn't feel like they had the wool pulled over their eyes, you know? So we, we start with healthy tech habits now so that we don't have to face a bigger barrier later. And then couples, technology, learning how to balance it is super important, super important. Because for a lot of people, let's be honest, you don't love your job. 
I, I cannot say that because I am here on stage right now, but a lot of people do not love their job, so they go to work, they're not having the time of their life, they come home to their spouse or significant other, and they just want something positive, they just want something encouraging, and if the other person is, is developed in technology or in a cocoon, then you're not getting that. So all you have is work and the top of someone's head as they're on their phone. So you're not getting built up the way that, that relationship's supposed to work. That's why there is relationship. That's why God doesn't have just one person on this planet because he knows that it's important for people to have people to talk to you, to vent to you, to encourage, to, to push them to be a better person. And if you aren't getting that at work and you go home, it's really important to say, hey, I know that you need me right now and to be present. And I would, and I would argue, I've said this in other series, but where we place our time, where we spend our time is where we show our priority is. I'm not saying quit your job and anything like that, but in your free time, the time that you have that isn't doing the responsibilities that need done, where are you spending your time? Because that's going to show your priorities, whether it's spoken or not. It is. It's going to show your priorities. And we want to show people that they're our priority, right? I don't want to look at my life and say, wow, I'm so proud of the 13,000 hours I spent on Twitter. Like, that's not, that's not an accomplishment that doesn't go in an obituary or epitaph. The things that last are they poured into people. They mentored me. They helped me through a really tough situation. They were loving. They were giving. They were kind. These are the things that remember. So these are where our time should be spent. And then a lot of people will say, well, there's nothing else to do. And I'm just challenging you that it's going to be hard to find things to do if you're staying home. So to, you got, sometimes you have to open the door and put on the gas mask as of late and like waft through the fog and find things to do to go and put yourself out there because you're not going to find things to do unless you take the time to find things to do. It's kind of a circular thinking. And then lastly, I would say that like the biggest thing at technology is it doesn't actually foster communication. It doesn't foster communication. I mean, we have watches that can do things and phones that can do things, and we have every gadget possible to actually talk to people, but we're not really having the hard conversations. We're not actually feeling like, I don't know about you, but after I Facebook message someone back and forth, I don't feel like, oh man, that was that was one of those conversations I'll take with me to the grave. That was just one of those. No, it's when someone goes out to coffee with you and you sit and you're making eye contact. That's a that's a foreign thing nowadays, but you make eye contact and they can see that you're present and they can see that you're listening. That's real communication. It's to the point now where we just like text each other across the house. Like that's, and that's not really communicating. We, we've forgotten how to communicate. My, my sister, I called to check in because she lives in Miami. And she says, you know, I, and I'm telling her, oh, she's like, what's the series on? And I'm like, technology and, you know, setting, you know, healthy limits. And she struggles because my nephew is nine and that is like tech Mecca. I mean, he knows how to do everything and he's all about the Minecraft and apps and everything. And she's like, this was horrible. She's like, it was like taking your child to a detox center because the power went out and like the fear in their eyes as the battery level is dropping, like they're getting bigger and bigger and like getting like hives. 
And she's like, it was horrible. He was like having temper tantrums and fits because he was literally detoxing off of technology. And I was like, yeah, I believe it. I'm reading this book. She's like, but to be honest, me and Brian struggled a lot too. And I was like, yeah. And she's a little bit older than me. She's in her late thirties and, and her boyfriend is as well. She says, yeah, we, we went over to his parents' house and we were playing Parcheesi and like having to, to talk. And you know, like, it was, she's like, I didn't realize I'm out of practice. I did, and her job is, is training people in the fashion industry. So she's always on stage talking. And she's like, I actually didn't realize until we lost power, I don't know how to have a conversation anymore. And it was really scary for her. And it was a wake-up call. And I think it's a reality for all of us that we have kind of let it take advantage of us a little bit. We, the, it's run away from us, and we, didn't, we don't always see that. And it really made me feel like, honestly... I would say most people in America, our relationship with technology is that of an abusive relationship, which everyone's like, whoa, that's, that's a big statement to make. But before you think I'm crazy, I went to the most reliable source that there was on this, Google, and I typed in, what are the signs of an abusive relationship? And I took a screenshot so you knew I wasn't just picking and choosing. All right, so this is what Google says of the signs of an abusive relationship. And so I'm thinking, does this apply to technology? He pushes for quick involvement. Phone notifications are always telling you, you need to look at this, you need to update this, have you seen this yet? Have you do if your email is full of people saying, act today, sale ends in 10 hours. It's like this constant pressure of people that want you to look at this, do this, go to that site, fill out that survey. It's constantly pressuring you for quick involvement. Then there's constant jealousy which to me says they want all of your time, right? You can't hang out with your, if in, in a relationship it's, you can't hang out with your friends, why are you spending time with them? Why are you, me, 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 it's all me. And technology does that. It doesn't want us to hang out with the real world. And I think the best example of that this year was April the Giraffe. Does anyone remember April the Giraffe? It was that live YouTube feed of this giraffe just pacing in her stall for like three months. It just drew on and on. And I'm like, I can't sleep. Might as well watch April the Giraffe for three hours. And like, it was a worldwide phenomenon of people just watching this giraffe pace in this stall, waiting for her to give birth. Like, they're going to miss it. Like, I should cook dinner for the kids but this baby's coming. And then the, you know, three months later, this baby is coming. I know it's coming. And it's like an eight hour process. So it's not like we're going to blink and miss it, but it, it just shows that technology's goal oftentimes is just to have us in its grip and just to have us ignore what's actually going on in the real world. He's controlling. If you have Netflix, this is so true. It gives you what, 120 seconds to use the bathroom before it starts the next episode? And you're like, come on, man, like I'm not that quick. He has very unrealistic expectations. Pinterest. <laughs> Pinterest. I just look at these things and I'm like, this is and like, you know, like to make this craft 20 minutes and $15 and like $78 later and three hours and you have like hot glue burns. It's just, it's unrealistic expectations. Uh, there's isolation. So it, it just wants to isolate you. I, you know, I have good intentions. I'm like, I'm just going to hop on real quick and look up a chicken recipe and it's going to be great. And my, you know, my spouse is going to love me. 
And then like three hours later, I'm watching this makeup tutorial on squiggly eyebrows, not because I want them, but because that's a thing and it confuses me. I know Brent does that, but you know, uh, but it wants to isolate you, right? There's always something else to see. There's always something else going on and it doesn't want us to actually participate in the life that we're living. And that's bizarre. That's kind of crazy. So really we wanted to do this series to challenge us to take charge of our relationship with technology. We're not pushing to be Amish. I would fail horribly at that. Like I like having electricity and, you know, running water and things like that. What we're saying is technology is great, but it's gotten away from us. It's, it's gotten into that unhealthy relationship. And, and the thing that's scariest, the thing that's most concerning about this is that technology isn't just hurting us or affecting us personally. It actually hurts our, our ability to relate to people. And the start of human problems, if you go back through history, it always starts when a relationship with when relationship and our ability to not just communicate but listen fall apart. Wars start because people try to communicate, try to have a relationship, and they fail to listen, and the relationship falls apart. The communication fails, and you have a war, something that affects millions of people. The root of that is failure in relationship and communication. So many things happen Horrible things happen in this world because relationships fall apart in our own lives. There's people that are still carrying the wounds from failed relationships, whether their own or their parents, and they have to carry that burden. Relationship is important. And so we should really want to know how we can protect and, and defend our relationships because that's where life gets ma made or broken. So, so a lot of people were, were saying, you know, I don't know why you're doing a tech series. This is church. Like, you know, you should be focusing. But if there's something that hurts our ability to communicate and relate to people, then I think it's worth spending our time on. I mean, there's no thou shalt not text after 9 p.m. verse, but there's tons of Bible verses about the importance of relationship. And I know Coming to Eastlake, if you're not a church person, person or you don't know how you feel about Christianity, it can be really intimidating, but we give you free coffee and the lights are dark, so I probably don't even know you're here because I can't see past the floodlights so you can sneak out. It's cool. We try to make it open so that you guys can come in and listen and make your own assessments. I mean, what is the what good is faith if you can't ask questions? We're not saying this is, you know, you just have to swallow this down and take it. We welcome people with questions and doubts and concerns because that's real life. And that's how faith is actually built, is not by ignoring things, but by addressing them head on. And so I wanted to talk about probably something that even people that aren't super familiar with church would probably hear about, which is Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve, you know, guy, girl, garden, eats the apple. I remember in the children's book, there's always like conveniently like tree branches placed everywhere. Uh, but People view that, and I know I for a long time viewed that story as like rules, right? They broke the rule, they got kicked out, you know, dad kicked him out of the basement and it was bad, you know, and now we had to deal with brokenness because they broke the rules. But really, to, what, what I take away from that story is it's not, it's not about breaking rules, it's about a broken relationship. Because the, the whole purpose uh, that, that God sets out to, to create other people is he's like, 
I want to be in a relationship. I don't want to, you know, just be by myself. I want to do life with people. I want to invest in people. That's the best thing that possibly is, is to be with people, to interact, to do life. So he creates this relationship and it's perfect and it's awesome. And one of my favorite verses, it says that God walked in the garden with them. Like he was doing life with them. And the worst part of that story, it's not like the rule breaking, it's that the relationship got broken. And we see if you, if you look through the rest of the Bible, it's for a large chunk, it's talking about people living in that brokenness. If, you, if your parents are divorced, you understand what it means to live under the burden of brokenness and to live and to carry that weight. And you're always wondering, how can it get better than this? How do we fix it? How does it get better? How do we restore what was broken? And God solved it. It started with relationship and God solved it with relationship saying, I'm not going to be your Sunday school figurehead up on the cloud. I'm actually going to go down in person and relate with you to sleep next to you, to serve next to you. I'm going to get in the mess of it all. I'm going to be in relationship with you. And that's where the solution is going to be solved. So, so people that, that, that view the, the Bible as a book of rules, I think are really missing the point because it's not about thou's and thou shall nots. It's about being in relationship. And the, what are the things that help relationship? And what are the things that hurt relationship? And the best part and why Christianity has lasted 2,000 years is because people know that relationships are broken. We don't know how to make life better. We don't know how to fix things. And God says, I know. (laughs) I see it all the time, which is why I went and I picked up the mess and I'm going to restore it. And it's hard. It's really hard to forgive people that have wronged us. It's really hard to let go. It's really hard to invest into people that are draining. It's really hard to love people when they're being really unlovable. The problem of relationship is solved with relationship by being present by communicating, by being in the moment. And that's hard when you have technology because technology allows us to scroll past anything we don't want to see, right? We see some cousin ranting and they're like, oh man, they're always putting this stuff on Facebook and I don't want to actually reach out and see what's going on. So I'm just going to scroll past it. Or you see someone, you know, that posts a picture, a sad picture about the hurricane and and you see someone helping, and you just hit the like button, and you're like, oh, I feel so much better now because I'm liking the efforts, and it makes you feel good because you don't actually, it doesn't actually require anything of you. I'm just giving you, this is my, my one month of marriage, ultimate marital advice. If your spouse comes up to you and spouts off a problem, and you just go, like button, like that doesn't actually resolve the issue, But that's what technology tells us. It tells us that we can scroll past the hard and difficult things. It doesn't actually require any investment from us. It doesn't require us to be uncomfortable, right? You can just unfollow that crazy cousin with the political post. We don't have to deal with it. We can just scroll past it. We can pick and choose what we want to experience. Even with Netflix, if I watch a movie that scares the pants off of me, I can then watch a comedy so I don't feel so scared anymore. We pick and choose and allow what makes us feel good into our lives. And then we face real life and it's messy and we can't really avoid it. So what do we do? We get on our phone. You know, there's fighting at the dinner table. I'm just going to go look over here or I'm in an uncomfortable situation. So I'm going to go update my, you know, my fantasy football thing or we, we don't know how to deal with it anymore. And so the relationships continue to get more and more malnourished. And 
and it's, it's really a shame. I feel like technology allows us to escape the hard work of real relationships, and it also robs us of the real treasure of being in community with others and with God. I'll say it again. Technology allows us to escape the hard work of real relationships, and it also robs us of the real treasure of being in community and others with God. Because that's what we remember. That's what we take with us. The time, that's what, that's what we remember when things get hard is that person reached out to me. We actually spent time together. We had that cup of coffee together. We went and we, we fought it out and we came to a conclusion. That's what sticks with us, not social media posts, but when we actually take time to interact. And I think that's, that's the key, that's the pinnacle that we see in Christianity and Christian faith because everything changes when what is broken and messed up and dysfunctional and malnourished becomes restored. That's why, that's why we're still here and we're still kicking and we're still imperfect and Christians still frustrate us. But why that hasn't completely wiped out Christianity is because of Jesus, because we see like God saw that the world was messed up and we were having trouble relating to each other. So he went down and he did it. He came down and related with us and set the example. He restored the relationship. I think a lot of people will hear of or see the John 3.16, but I think John 3.17, the, the verse right after that is super important, especially for people that are carrying church burn, where you're like, I did the religion thing. It got weird. It got hurtful. People said one thing on the stage and then another thing to my face. I understand that a lot of people are dealing with that. And I think it's because we focus on 316 and we forget that there's another verse after and it says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So you're like, okay, kind of churchy talk. Uh, another, another translation of this says, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. That was why he went through what he went through. That's why, that's what, that's what people that, that call themselves Christian believe is that God said, there's mess and I'm not going to just leave you to try to figure it out. I'm actually going to come down and figure it out. I'm not going to point fingers and I'm not going to guilt you about it. I'm just going to do the hard work to restore relationship because that is the most important thing to me is whole relationship. And I know it can be uncomfortable to wrestle through that. Uh, and maybe you feel like this series doesn't apply to you. You're like, I don't know if I really struggle with technology that much. Maybe you're thinking that a church shouldn't be spending so much time on that, but relationship matters because it mattered to God. <laughs> If, he was, if it was something he was willing to literally give his life over to restore relationship, then I think it matters. And anything that, that threatens our ability to relate to people and to really come back to faith and really with fresh eyes, I think it's important to address. And we can't get to that place of trying to figure out how to do relationship right until we break up with our dysfunctional relationship with technology. And I'm not saying the Amish thing. We've just what we need to break up with our dysfunctional relationship and then restore it to a healthy relationship to put people first, 
real communication first. Because if we don't, we will continue to have malnourished relationships with those around us. And our faith will equally be malnourished as well. Because it's really hard to spend time with that friend that you just like, you're looking at your schedule and you're like, I just want to veg out. I don't actually want to, you know, put anything out there. It's hard. It's hard to make the time for people. And if it's hard to make the time for people, then it's going to be hard to make the time for God. It makes sense. But why we feel so exhausted and fatigued is because we're not putting ourselves out there to be filled by people. We're letting social media entertain us. And then emotionally, relationally, we still go to bed hungry every night because we're not in community with people. We're not in community with God. If we don't put ourselves out there to be filled up, of course we have no energy. Our marriages will continue to be strained. Our friendships will feel taxing. Our ability to talk, to really talk with our parents or our children will continue to seem like we're speaking a foreign language if we don't restore our relationship with technology to a healthier level. So that's my challenge for you guys this week. I challenge you guys to break up, (laughs) to break up with your current relationship with technology and to restore your relationship with the people that God has placed around you and with him and to claim the reward that comes from doing the hard work of relationships right. I didn't skip the hard work part. I know that is totally part of it. But when we do relationships right, when we put the hard work in, we get a greater reward.